Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hi, everybody. It's just me, Marissa, here this week with a very special guest. Um, I'm just going to get right into it because I'm excited to start this conversation. I'm here with Victoria Richards. I feel very weird calling you Victoria because you're always Vicky to me. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can call me Vicky. That's fine. I feel more <laughs> professional when I use my phone. I know. You know. <laughs> All right. Uh, Victoria is a nutritional therapy practitioner, the owner of a private nutrition practice, Restoring Roots Wellness, and a co-host of the Empowered Female podcast. She helps women break up with birth control and master their menstrual cycles naturally. Victoria believes in empowering women with the information they need to take charge of their fertility and work with their body rather than against it. When she's not chatting about periods, you can find her binge watching The Real Housewives, cuddling her cats, who are so cute, or walking around her neighborhood. Welcome, Vicki. Thanks for being here. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I am too. I, I just love what you're doing and all the things you talk about and it all resonates so deeply with me and I'm sure with women everywhere. And it's just so important. And I just love that you, I actually had feedback. One of my friends follows you on Instagram and they were like, she just makes everything so understandable and approachable. So there Aww, yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's, just, it's these conversations that we should be having, and you just yes. make them easy to have. So I'm happy to have this. Okay. So happy to be here. This is my favorite thing to chat about. Um, you know, periods and birth control and our hormones and our fertility because I just feel like a lot of us don't really get that proper education in school. You know, like you think about the health class that you have in you know middle school or whenever you had it. Um, it was just so. It just doesn't, it doesn't cut it. You know, there's just so much more that we can learn about our bodies. And I think it's important to be empowered with that information so you can make the right decisions for yourself, you know, um, but an informed decision is always what I advocate for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what made you kind of focus in on this aspect of health and healing? What, what's kind of your background, your story with all of this? Yeah. Um, so I was like many women was on hormonal birth control. Um, I was on the Nuva ring for eight or nine years. Um, I went on it in high school and stayed on it through college for pregnancy prevention. I was in a long-term relationship. So that was, that was the reason that I went on it. Um, and then I came off of it like literally right after I got married because at that point in time, I had kind of, my eyes had been open to, holistic health. Like I was more mindful and conscious and aware of my health. And, um, you know, the research I had done had led me to believe and to, I guess, become aware that birth control, um, 
it can be risky business. You know, there's a lot of side effects associated with it, especially the longer that we're on it. Um, and I know a lot of women can relate to that. I'm not feeling very well on birth control. I hear that all the time. Um, so I wanted to go, I knew I wanted to go off Nuva Ring as soon as we got married. Um, and so I did that and things were fine for the first couple months. And then like around month four, five, six, um, things got a little hairy. Like I got a lot of cystic acne. I was gaining weight. Um, my periods were really, really heavy and my cycles were very irregular. Um, so like they'd be really short, like 21 days, 22 days, very short cycles. Um, never really knew when my period was going to come. Cause then like occasionally a long cycle would be thrown in there and my period would be like two weeks late. So cycles were not good. I was just not feeling good. Um, and I had done some research and realized that this is actually really common for women who come off of birth control. Um, it's referred to as post birth control syndrome when your body is kind of just like coming back online. Um, you know, your hormones and your ovulation and your cycles were suppressed for so long by this medication and, and it's just trying to figure itself out. Um, so thankfully I was also going through my training at the nutritional therapy association with Marissa, mm -hmm. um, at this time. And so I was lucky enough to have the tools to like realize what I needed to be doing to take care of my body and to help it kind of get itself into a better place, um, after birth control and was able to, you know, ultimately heal myself and my hormones and get them into a better place. Um, after about a year, um, since coming off the pill, it, it took me. Um, so anyways, that's kind of my story. And I just know that there are so many other women out there who have had similar experiences, um, with birth control. And, you know, the other piece of it that I am really passionate about is teaching women how to chart their cycles and, you know, take charge of their fertility, whether that's for pregnancy prevention or achievement. Um, it's important to know about your fertility and how your menstrual cycle works and that you can prevent pregnancy without these synthetic hormones. And, um, that's a lot of people just feel so afraid to come off birth control because they think if they have sex, they're going to get pregnant and that's not the case. Um, so that is another huge piece. I'm really passionate about teaching women about that. Um, and like I said before, I just don't feel like enough people are talking about this type of stuff and there's not enough, um, you know, education out there about this. And so that's why I love to do this work and where I had, you know, ultimately decided to focus my practice. I love that so much. And oh my goodness, everything you said, I'm, I just am nodding my head because I, I went, I think I was eight, 17 or 18 when I first got on the pill. And it was for, I, I mean, it was for probably sex, but I told my mom it was for my heavy periods, you know, at the time, <laughs> which were probably totally normal, but I just didn't have this knowledge of, of my body even a little bit. And, um, my health tanked when I was on the pill. I mean, I was a psycho, a true, I mean, it just made me crazy. And I just, I remember just sitting in front of the door, Jonathan and I were just dating at the time and just like freaking out. And I just, I couldn't stop myself. I was aware of it and just couldn't stop it. And I swear getting off the pill and just kind of healing myself was what saved our relationship. Cause I don't know if we would have stayed together had I still been in that. I, I don't even know what to call it. It was just crazy, but yeah. That's a really common experience. Like I said, for a lot of women when they're on birth control, um, is like mood issues, especially. So it can, um, it's known to trigger depression. I think that happened to me. I um, was diagnosed with depression my freshman year in college and I had been on the new ring for about a, 
a year probably at that time. And, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, like moving away to school and the stress of that, of of course, can contribute to depression. But like it came out of nowhere. And I just look back now and I wonder like, man, I wonder if that was triggered by the the newer ring because that's a really common experience for women um and like just crazy mood swings and a lot of women say like they feel crazy on the pill and they come off and this is how it was for me it was as if the fog had lifted and i was like wow i feel happy like i felt like so happy i was like this is weird because it's nothing feeling <laughs> right it was so strange um so that's interesting that you've also had that experience because you're definitely not alone in that yeah it was it was exactly that just like the fog had lifted Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what a, I know there's variation of course, but what a healthy period looks like, kind of what you quote should (laughs) be experiencing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So a healthy period is going to vary from woman to woman. Um, we can start with cycle length. So, um, technically a normal cycle length is anywhere between 21 and 35 days. And that's a really broad window. Um, so a lot of us are told that, you know, every woman's menstrual cycle is 28 days and you ovulate on day 14. And that's just not true. Um, and that's why if, when we fall into that mindset of I ovulate on day 14, my period should be 28 days. It can cause a lot of stress for women and just misinformation. Um, and this is where we can see people ending up pregnant who don't want to be because they thought they ovulated on day 14 and they actually ovulated on day 18 and you know, now they're pregnant or who are trying to get pregnant and they're not because they're missing their fertile window because they don't know when they ovulate and they assume it's day 14. So, um, yeah, a normal cycle length will vary for a lot of women. 28 days is kind of the average, but of course that will, that will vary. Um, and when it comes to blood flow, so, you know, typically the average number of days you should be bleeding is about four to six. If we're too much less than four days, um, you know, that might be too light. So if your period is too light, um, that can be some signs of some hormone imbalances. Um, you know, if it's less than four days, like I said, um, and if we start to get more than seven days, then that's also a sign that it's going to be too long. Um, so really in terms of flow volume though, if you're bleeding through a super tampon, like every hour, like the super plus tampons constantly or the super pads really quickly, um, you know, that's, that's too heavy uh, for what I would consider normal. And if you're barely even filling up like a a light tampon, you know, and you can go several hours with a light tampon and that's like what your period is and not just like at the very beginning or the very end, um, then that's, that's really too light of a flow. Um, so a normal period, um, you know, is kind of somewhere in the middle there. We can also look at period blood as another kind of sign for what's normal, really, the most healthy period blood you can have is like a nice bright red color, um, not too deep or purpley and not too, you know, brown or, you know, really light colored, like I said, but just like a nice bright red, like you would think of, you know, a a healthy blood color. Um, you shouldn't really have any pain with your period. Period pain is common, but it's, it's really not normal. Um, so if you have a lot of pain with your period, um, that's not something that I would consider normal or a sign of a healthy period. Um, so I think those are the major things that wouldn't be considered a normal period. Yeah. I I love that because everyone just about probably associates cramping with periods and the pain and, you know, the suffering and all the things. And I know my eyes were 
burst wide open when I learned that that was not a normal thing and it can be managed, I guess, fixed. I don't want to say fixed, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to happen. So that's super cool. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's move on to birth control a little bit. I don't know where you want to start with that. Um, Mm -hmm. like reasons why people get on it, like where, how, how to get, I guess maybe how to get off of it is probably the best place to start because so many of us are on it or like, how about why you might want to think about getting off of it and how you do that? Yeah. Yeah. All great questions, right? There's so much to talk about. (laughs) So I want to start by saying that I do think that birth control has played, it plays an important role for a lot of women in preventing pregnancy, which is what it was intended to do. And I don't want to discard the role that it has played and how important it is for some women who truly cannot have a child right now. Um, And it has maybe helped them further their career or their education or their financial stability And there is absolutely no shame in if being on the pill is what's right for you and your family. So I just want to kind of disclaim and say that right out of the gate before I go into this this conversation. But I also want to say when I say birth control, I guess what I'm referring to is like hormonal contraceptives, um, because technically a condom is birth control, right? Anything that's preventing pregnancy is technically birth control. So we kind of blanket it in the term birth control, like the birth control pill, Um, but any hormonal contraceptive like the pill, the patch, the shot, NuvaRing, um, those are the most common when we think of hormonal contraceptives. There are some others like IUDs, um, like Marina, which is, you know, it it does have progestin in it, but it's not a combination estrogen and progestin um, type of birth control. And then there's also like the copper IUD, which is norhormone, no hormones. Oh my gosh. Um, so when we talk about hormonal birth control, I just wanted to also like clear that up. That's what I'm specifically talking about. And that's really where the risks are with birth control. So to answer your question, like why you might want to think about going off birth control, um, there are a lot of risks associated with it. And a lot of these things, I don't know about you, Marissa, but for me, I was not made aware of them when I went on the NuvaRing at you know, 17 years old. Was, nope. It was, was just an aware. easy thing to hand me the prescription and send me on my merry way personally. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but there are actually a lot of risks associated with hormonal birth control. Um, so something I actually just shared on my Instagram the other day is that hormonal contraceptives increase our risk for autoimmune disease. That has been proven. Um, there was a study published in 2017 that was talking about these findings. Um, it also increases your risk for stroke cardiovascular disease, blood clots, um, those things, those risks are especially elevated if you also smoke or if you're over the age of 35. Um, But that doesn't mean that they're not there for younger women as well. It leads to leaky gut, uh, which also contributes to autoimmune diseases. Um, It disrupts the gut microbiome and the health of our gut. I'm sure you guys have talked about this and just how important that is for our overall health. it can cause issues with our liver and gallbladder function. So I know a lot of women who have gallbladder issues when they're on birth control. That's a very common thing. Um, you know, it can cause a lot of issues with the liver. Um, you know, there's a lot of side effects, the mood side effects that we talked about, depression and anxiety. Um, all of those side effects that a lot of women experience when on birth control are also very real and something to keep in mind. Um, you know, low libido, vaginal dryness, all of those things are very common. In regards to our fertility, here's another interesting piece. I think a lot of times women 
like expect to be able to come off the pill and get pregnant like the next month. Like I'll just be on the pill right up until the time that I want to get pregnant and then I'm going to come off and then I'll be able to get pregnant. Unfortunately, that's not always the case for a lot of women um, because birth control works um, through a few different mechanisms in preventing pregnancy. Um, So one of which is thinning the uterine lining, which makes it nearly impossible for an egg to be implanted. It also thickens our cervical fluid, which makes it really hard for the sperm to, to travel up into the fallopian tubes. And it also just inhibits ovulation in general. Without ovulation, there's no egg, there's no baby. Um, So it can take some time for your body to come back online and to have healthy ovulation, regular ovulation, predictable ovulation, all of the things that we want to get pregnant. So for some women, it can take a year or more for things to regulate and for you to actually be fertile um, for conception. Not to mention all of the nutrients that birth control depletes. So that's another reason to maybe think about coming off the pill. Um, You know, zinc, magnesium, B vitamins, um, selenium, all of these minerals and vitamins, which are really important, not just for our own health, but if you're thinking about having a child, that's going to be really important in pregnancy. Um, And so you also want to kind of give your body some time to replenish those depleted nutrients. So There's a plethora of reasons, I guess, um, to think about coming off birth control, just depending on where you're at in your life and what your goals are. If you don't feel well on it, I think that's enough reason to come off of it, you know? Um, And certainly if you're planning to conceive, you know, I would say in the next two years, I would come off of it. Honestly, the sooner you can come off of it, the better to give your body time to restore the nutrients and get your cycle back into um, a better place. So those are reasons that you might want to come off of it. I don't know if you want me to just go right into, okay, so like now what? Or if you have questions. No, I thought that was very thorough, um, very thorough. And it's it's really eye-opening just to see how much it impacts. And it seems like these little tiny pieces, but when you start to put them all together, it just creates this huge picture of, you know, health and mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's very, very eye-opening. But yeah, you can just dive right in. <laughs> we'll just keep going. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So if you're like, all right, I definitely am thinking about coming off birth control. What do I do next? Honestly, I think the, the, the first thing to think about is, okay, what is your plan and your goals as it relates to pregnancy? Cause I think you kind of have to figure out what your intentions are and that will kind of determine what path you take forward in regards to, um, you know, like pregnancy prevention or conception, depending where you're at. So you need to have a plan. If you don't want to be pregnant, you need to have a plan to not get pregnant. If this is what you've been using, if you have been using the pill for pregnancy prevention, which side note, a lot of women are using the pill for reasons other than pregnancy prevention, which is a whole nother can of worms. The pill does not fix your period. The pill is not like you're not deficient in the birth control pill. There's an underlying root cause for your health issues. That's unfortunately still going to be there when you come off the pill, unless you address the root cause, like the the things then the reason that you have those symptoms, um, which is a whole nother conversation, but I'll just say that. <laughs> um, so anyways, you got to think about what you're going to do um, for birth control after you get off the pill. Um, and so what I like to recommend to my clients and what I use is the fertility awareness method, um, also called the symptothermal method or Sensaplan. Those are all kind of names for it, um, in which you use your body's signs and fertility cues to determine 
your fertile window. And then you either abstain from sex during those days or you use alternate methods such as a condom, a diaphragm, what, whatever you might decide. Um, so that's kind of one thing to think about. Another thing to think about when you're coming off the pill is your liver health. It's absolutely crucial to support your liver when you come off the pill um, because your liver is really intimately involved in your, your hormone health and regulation um, and also you know metabolizing and getting those synthetic hormones from the pill out of your body, amongst other things. Our liver does a lot for us. Um, so supporting your liver health um, is a really key piece to this. Supporting gut health is another important piece, you know, getting your gut microbiome biome back into a better place. Um, you know, switching your products, the products that you're using to safer alternatives is another really uh, important thing to think about just to like lower that toxic burden on your body, you know, for the reasons I just mentioned with your liver. Um, and yeah, I think those are kind of like the biggest things. Replenishing nutrients would be another one. So if baby is on the radar in the next two years, honestly, get on a prenatal vitamin. Um, there's no harm in doing that just to get your nutrients in a better place. So yeah, thinking about your, your pregnancy prevention plan, thinking about liver health, gut health, replenishing nutrients, and kind of like lowering your toxic burden as a whole, I would say those are kind of, you know, the, the key areas to start thinking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The liver just, <laughs> it's so underrated. <laughs> People don't want to talk about liver health and it does everything for us. It does. Poor sweet things. They're overburdened. Yes. Um, what would you say to someone who is, who, okay, so they understand that all these minerals, these nutrients, these things are depleted while they're on the pill, they're ready to get off of it. Will just taking a prenatal or taking some supplements fix their problem? That seems mm. to be a common thing. That yeah. So supplements are exactly that. They are a supplemental piece to the picture. You can't out supplement a bad diet. Um, so I can't believe I didn't even mention like a nutrient dense diet. Honestly, that's like that's like step one, right? Okay, that's like <laughs> the thing always that you should be doing. The first thing that you should be doing. Um, so if you're eating McDonald's and lean cuisines and sugar for every meal uh, and expecting a prenatal vitamin to give you all the nutrients that you need, that's unfortunately not really going to work out so well for you. So, you know, eating a nutrient-dense diet, prioritizing, you know, real whole foods, um, getting a lot of quality fats. Fats are really important for our hormone health, especially cholesterol. Um, so egg yolks, grass-fed butter, um, oily fish, omega-3s. That's another really great food to prioritize. Um, leafy greens. You can eat foods to support your liver health, like uh, quality protein. Complete protein is important for their um, for detoxification. Um, cruciferous vegetables, bitter greens, lemon juice, all of those things will help give you nutrients from your diet, which is a really great and important place to look. And then on top of that, you bring in something like a prenatal to kind of fill in the gaps and make sure, make it's like your insurance policy, right? But we can't overlook the importance of a nutrient-dense diet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is super easy to overlook, at least in my experience in working with clients. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like everyone, it's just easier to take something you know, and expect it to fix your problems. Exactly. Yeah. It is. It is easier, but that doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, what are, 
Let me think how I want to wear this. Some other kind of, I mean, those are like the big heavy hitters of what you want to look for whenever you're coming off birth control and supporting your body. Is there anything else like foundationally um, that could impact your period or impact your hormones after, after coming off the pill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something I talk about all the time is stress. Yeah. And that's like, it's, you know, such a, I feel like it's almost like a vague word that we throw around all the time. Like manage your stress, lower your stress. You're probably stressed. And the reason that I think it's talked about so much is because it's true. Um, stress and hormone health are very intimately related and stress is like this really big umbrella term. And there's a lot of pieces to it and it will depend on the person, you know, what are your big stressors, but I think you have to consider everything um, when you're thinking about how to manage your stress, because yeah, I like to answer your question. That is a really important piece for fertility and hormone health and getting things um, back in balance in your your menstrual cycle and everything like that. Um, So, you know, stress can come from our diet. If we're eating a lot of processed lifeless foods, imbalanced blood sugar is another really big driver for stress. Um, You know, whether that's, you know, eating too much sugar, or really what I see almost more often with my clients is that they are not eating enough food or they are not eating, you know, frequent enough meals. Um, so making sure you're eating enough, making sure you're eating regularly and getting a source of protein at every meal, that's going to be really important there. Um, you can have emotional stress, which is causing issues for you from a bad job or a bad relationship or your anxiety, um, or, or, the state of the world. Oh my gosh, as we're recording this, we're in a pandemic and that's really stressful too. So don't, you know, don't rule things like that out and how they're going to affect your menstrual cycle. Um, if you're living in a toxic home, um, you know, Marissa and I have both lived in moldy homes and, and that can certainly cause hormone imbalances. Um, you know, if you have some underlying gut infection, really the list goes on and on. There's the point I'm trying to make is there are so many different sources of stress and it's going to look different for everybody. Um, But that's a really key piece to address in conjunction with, you know, the liver health and the supporting detox and the eating, right, is like, what stress do you have going on in your life? Because that's your body's number one priority is keeping you alive. And it's not going to care about detoxing birth control and making sure you ovulate and you can have a baby. It doesn't care about those things when it's just trying to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's a big one. That is the hardest one to get under control, probably. <laughs> As someone with pretty severe anxiety. <laughs> yes, it is. It's the hardest one, but it's the most important one. And so that's why I think I try and remind everybody of like all these different possible things that could be stressing them out. And then it's kind of like your job to think about, okay, like being honest with myself, what are the main sources of stress in my life and what can I do to mitigate them? You know, be it through meditation or yoga or therapy and what can I honestly remove, you know, and sometimes you you can't remove it and there's not a lot you can do about it. And that's where we bring in those buffering techniques to help our body adapt to it better. Absolutely. Um, What about exercise and your hormone health or your period? Mm. Where does that fit in? Yes. Exercise is like this, balance between not too much and not too little. So certainly we all know that exercise is beneficial for us. Um, It does a lot of really great things for us and it's definitely important to move our bodies. Um, But 
you know, for me, the type of women that I typically work with, it's not really an issue of getting them to exercise it's getting them to exercise less. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we start to push the exercise too hard, um, whether we're doing it too frequently or we're doing, you know, exercises that are just too intense for our body at this point in time, um, then you're going to start to see stress, right? Exercise is a form of stress. And if it's too much on the body, that's a stress to the body. And that's definitely going to impact your hormone health and your fertility and your periods. So I think, you know, it depends on the woman, how much is too much. Um, and I think this is again, where you have to be honest with yourself. If you're having, um, missed periods, you're not having a period right now, which is another common uh, side effect when you come off birth control. Some women's periods don't come back. Um, and you know, that would be a place to definitely look at your exercise as maybe exercising too much. Um, any sort of hormone imbalance and, and you're hitting the gym and you're doing the orange theory five days a week or the CrossFit, or you're running marathons. I think you have to be honest with yourself and realize that that's probably too much for you at least right now. I'm not saying you can never do that again, but if you're struggling with the hormone imbalance and you're pushing yourself really hard in the gym, that's like kind of a red flag for me. Um, so to those women, I would say, cut it back. Let's try more restorative forms of exercise, like walking or yoga. Um, you can lift weights, but you know, maybe not maxing out your squat and you're not, you know, just like absolutely killing yourself in the gym. Um, but finding like a happy medium, you know, maybe you can jog a couple miles, but you're, I'm not having you running marathons. So you kind of have to find this happy medium where you're moving your body, but not too much. Um, and then, you know, just seeing other, other signs would be, you know, if you feel exhausted during or after your workout, like you're having really slow recovery time, um, you know, if, and how you're fueling yourself in your workout is also important too. But, you know, to answer your question, absolutely. Too much exercise is super common um, and can be a really big driver for hormone imbalances for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, that is a stressor too. It can be. And mm-hmm. it's, I know I personally wore that as a badge of honor, like, oh, look at how relaxed I am when I work out. But then I was doing it so much that I didn't, it was hard for me to slow down. But then when I did, I felt so much better and I, I just didn't even connect those dots. So I think that's really important. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's like we could have a whole nother podcast episode on like these women who oftentimes are feeling like they have to exercise all the time because there's this body image component. Yes. Right. And, and, and they feel like they have to burn all these calories per day or, or earn their food, earn their this and their that, and they need to lose weight. And to do so, they need to be exercising all this amount of time. And they're afraid at what's going to happen when they slow down but really like that's the thing for those women that's often the piece that's the most important if you cannot possibly imagine what your life is like without crushing yourself in the gym 6 days a week then like that to me is probably one of the biggest pieces for you um so there's yeah that whole body image component too right like why are you killing yourself in the gym right right yeah. oh my gosh yep 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 um when you are working with clients is are calories something that you talk about? Is there like a number that you want women to hit or stay away from? How does that play into the whole hormone balance and your period? Mm -hmm. 
yeah. So like I just mentioned, you'll, you'll find that another thing I'm really passionate about is body acceptance or neutrality, um, self-love, self-compassion, intuitive eating, all that stuff. I'm really a big advocate for all that stuff as well. Um, so for me, being somebody who had a history of dieting, disordered eating, disordered relationship with my own body, um, I don't like to, you know, I don't like to talk too much about calories in terms of like, I don't like to give people a minimum because I know like for me, five years ago, if you gave me a minimum, I would be like, I'm going to literally eat the minimum. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yes, calories are a really important piece of the work that I do. And, and with the types of women that I work with, usually if you have a hormone imbalance, again, like it, it's the same types of, of women that I see. They're over-exercising, they're under-eating, they're stressed they have body image issues and their periods are crazy because it's all working in conjunction with each other. These things are not independent, you know? Um, so I do kind of give a minimum when I need to. And if I had to give you a minimum number of calories that you need to eat, I would say like 1900, um, 2000, right. Which to me doesn't sound like a lot because I'm, I'm usually eating a lot more than that, but I know for myself and for a lot of women, you might be used to eating like 1500 calories and the thought of eating 2000 calories is terrifying. Um, and I was totally there, but honestly, you have to give your body the fuel that it needs to make your hormones and to feel safe and secure. So you can have a healthy menstrual cycle and you can have healthy fertility. And that's not going to happen when you're eating enough food to barely feed a toddler. So you've got to eat more food, ladies. I've never once told a woman that she's eating too much food. It's always like, you can probably eat more. Like, let's be honest, you can probably eat more. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, when you're eating real nutrient dense foods and I'm not, you know, you're not just eating a ton of processed foods, which is not doing anything. Um, it's not really serving you. It's, you can't really overdo it. You know what I mean? On grass-fed beef and vegetables and berries and coconut, like you really can't overdo it on that stuff. It's honestly kind of hard to get enough calories when that's the type it of food that you're eating. I love so, that. So yeah. 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 I, uh, the reason I asked was because I know when I was in this whole cycle of the disordered eating and everything that everything was out of whack, like we were just talking about, there was this um, thing that I did, it was like a container system and like the minimum was 1200 calories. And I, I would answer the questions, like go through the things. So I would put myself in that bracket and that's all I would eat. And sometimes it was less. And I think a lot of women, just in my experience with clients and talking to people and whatnot, is that that's what they care about is the low numbers. They think they're doing a good job for their body, low fat, all the things. And then we start to see issues like this, you know, not sleeping Mm -hmm. and hormonal imbalances and, anxiety, like all the things that we were talking about. Um, yes. And I don't think you can hear enough, eat more food. So, and I know you're passionate about that. So (laughs) I am. And yes, Marissa, I think so many women have been there. I rarely talk to a woman who has never restricted calories or dieted before. It's the unfortunate truth of our society. Um, and I remember getting to a place I was like that where I said, you know, I wanted to eat the minimum number of calories. Like what's the minimum I can eat and be thin. Um, and then I got to this place where I like 
wanted permission to eat more. And I remember the first person who told me I could eat more calories was Emily Schramm. She, um, if you're familiar with her, she kind of got me onto like this paleo style of eating. Um, she kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. And she, I remember her saying like, you can eat more food. And she gave a calorie range that was far more than I was eating. And I was like, grateful to have permission to eat more food because I, it's not fun to not eat the foods that you enjoy and to be starving. That's not fun. Um, and food is about more than fuel. Yes, it's fuel, but it's also traditions and it's joy and it's celebration and, and it's delicious. And we should enjoy eating our food as well. And you can eat nutrient dense food and a lot of it and enjoy eating it. Um, so if you're out there and you just need somebody to tell you it's okay to eat more food, like let this be your sign, girl, go eat more food. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Yes, it will. Oh my gosh. Okay. Is there anything else that I didn't ask that you would like to talk about that we didn't touch on? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. I think we've covered a lot of good stuff. Yeah. You know, I think just, um, you know, like I, I kind of mentioned a little bit and I, I do want to address that for the women out there who maybe went on birth control to regulate your period. I'm using air quotes, regulate your period or help with your period pain or for acne and for all these other things that are so commonly prescribed to women, the pill for these issues. You know, unfortunately that's what a lot of it has become. It's just like this medication to give to women for like anything. <laughs> and that's not what it's intended for. Um, and I don't want to discount that for some women, um, you know, especially those with like, you know, endometriosis, the birth control pill can help them manage their pain and their symptoms and give them a better quality of life. I don't want to discount that, but the reality is birth control is not solving your problem. And so when you come off of it, cause at some point you're going to have to come off of it. Um, those things are still going to be there unless you work on them, but don't be afraid because you can work on them and they can get better. And so I would suggest starting to work on those things with a practitioner. Um, maybe even before you come off the pill, there are some things that you can do and then there's going to need to be more work done when you come off the pill. Um, because it will kind of inhibit your healing to some extent. There's only so much you can do when you're on the pill. Um, but you know, I just want to reiterate that that's not a solution to those symptoms, but it can get better. You can get to the root cause and you can have your own natural cycles the way your body intended. Like as women, we have this beautiful blessing of being able to have a menstrual cycle and to have children, whether we want them or not, like our bodies are incredible and our hormonal fluctuations are something that we should honor and and work with, like, I know nobody enjoys having a period, but if you can understand how your cycle works, and that's another thing I like to teach women is like about cycle syncing and understanding what's going on in different parts of your cycle. So you can be empowered and say, okay, this is why I, why I feel like laying on the couch all day today and I'm, I'm moody and I'm tired and my workout sucks. I'm going to start my period in like two days. Like, that's why that makes sense. I'm not going to fight this and force things. I'm just going to honor it and I'm going to lay on the couch and watch Real Housewives and cuddle my cats. Like, <laughs> you know, so I think, um, you know, that's just another piece too, is just to realize how amazing and magical our bodies are and that you can get into harmony with them instead of feeling like you have to fight against them and, and just cover things up with a medication. 
Yes. Oh, so empowering. It really is. <laughs> it is. It's incredible. We're incredible women. Yeah. We can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. Well, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Of course, we'll link to everything, but, and, and anything that you're working on. Yeah. So you can find me, I mostly hang out on Instagram at restoring underscore roots. Um, you can find my website, restoringrootswellness.com. Um, I'm accepting new clients. If any of this is of interest to you and want to work on any of these things, I would be more than happy to work with you. Um, you know, virtually I do client visits online, so we can all stay safe out there and stay in the comfort of our homes. Um, I uh, also have a podcast, the empowered female podcast. Um, if you want to check that out, have another podcast to listen to. Um, yeah. And I, I am working on a program on, you know, kind of healing your body after birth control. That's not quite ready yet, but if you are interested in that, just go follow me, check out my website and, uh, you'll be sure to know when that will be ready. Yay. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely follow Vicki, everybody right now. Go do it. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you so much for being here. This was incredible. Oh, thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you like what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.